Hey, good morning and welcome to another fantastic podcast of Generation Education. Today, we're going to discuss providing choice in the classroom, why and how we can provide choice. So how are we going to be able to do this in a teaching world that is led by teacher, district, state curriculum and standards? So we're going to do this for a couple of reasons in the classroom. The reasons why you want to provide choice to students is for mostly motivation factors and for differentiation. So today we're all about discussing providing choice for students. So Mr. Heater, let's kind of kick this off. What is student choice? So basically the way I think of it is not necessarily just like picking a different task for kids to do, but giving the kids a way to take ownership of their learning and hopefully overall making them more successful. So helping out some of the kids and differentiating for certain kids who might need it different ways. Um, the big thing with this, it doesn't have to be completely open-ended. So this doesn't have to be like, pick a project, good luck, have fun. So like you can go through and like you can give as much or as little guidance as you feel comfortable with or as your students feel comfortable with. Obviously, I wouldn't start off with go ahead and run with it from the get-go. Kind of do a little bit of scaffolding as you go and start off kind of small. And same thing with this. It takes a little bit of while to kind of get your feet wet with this too. So just kind of going through and like trying out different things, like maybe one time you do the task one time you do a different activity for different things. Sometimes maybe it's a different topic. So try out different things like that first. And then if you want to, you can kind of fall into more of the open-ended stuff. Um, but it's just kind of a way to let kids explore their interests and you know let them sort of have a little more fun learning sometimes. I love everything you're saying about giving the students ownership because that's that motivation factor, especially at the middle school level where those students really need um, to see, hey, this is my learning. This is more than just something I have to do. Um, also, what you're saying with scaffolding, you can't just, you know, be telling kids, um, you know, hey, run with this. Here, here's your project. Go, go choose whatever you want to do. It, it can't just be that free for all. You have to have that guidance principle. Um, and you, as the teacher, you really are facilitating, you know, providing that student the choice and, you know, getting the product you want. And kind of the other thing I'd sort of say with this is, you know, some of those soft skills, again, that we've talked about before of maybe it's not necessarily like they don't hit all the things that or all the criteria that you wanted the first couple of times they do it. But just kind of developing those skills of letting kids kind of explore and discover what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are. And hopefully getting to the point where like kids get excited about learning and hopefully they become lifelong learners of giving them different ideas and ways that like they can work through a problem and different mechanisms in which like they feel more successful with. So just kind of teaching them in the overall long, long goal as well. Love it. So we talked about kind of what is it? So how about let's go the opposite way with this. So what isn't it? All right. So first of all, it's not a free fall, uh, free for all of saying, you know, here's your instruction now perform, you know, the, the task or the standard any way you want it. Like I said before, you still have to provide, um, you know, your guidance, you still have to, you know, provide the formats that you want in order to get the product that you want. Um, if you don't provide that scaffolding, if you don't perform, provide that guidance that students need, let's remember, they're still 12 and 13 and 14 years old. They're still kids. You have to be that leader in the classroom um, to say, I want you to perform it in a couple of different ways. Um, and this is going to look different in, you know, whether it's a science classroom or an English classroom or a math classroom. And, and we'll touch on that here in just a moment. But you really have to, you know, focus your students to what they need to learn when providing that choice. 
And I think kind of the other big thing with this is it's not busy work. So don't think of this as just like, I forgot to do something today. I don't have anything planned. Let's just go ahead and tell the kids, uh, go figure it out. Uh, <laughs> usually does not end well whenever you do things like that. So it should still be tied with instruction and you should still be at least covering those big questions, even if some of like the smaller stuff or some of the vocabulary is missing from what you wanted the kids. As long as you're following those big guiding questions, you usually should be okay with these. I love it. How about uh, what are some ways that you provide choice in the classroom? All right. So let me fo let me be the one to focus a little bit more on reading and math, and then I'll just kind of push it to, to you for science since you're kind of the, the, science, the science guru of uh, Warren <laughs> County Middle School. All right. So reading is, I don't want to say it's a really simple way to provide that choice, but it's a fantastic way to provide choice because there are books and reading material on everything and writing material on everything. And to provide student choice, you get their interest. So yeah, there are sometimes curriculum texts that you have to go over and that just kind of is what it is. But you know, as you're leveling students uh, based on what their um, reading abilities are, you can find books that really pique their interest and motivate them and you know, differentiate their learning. Um, I actually had a student one time, uh, let's just call him D. Um, D had autism and he had a very low reading level. And I tried multiple things to try to get him to, um, to, to be into reading and just to engage. And I tried, you know, sports books. I tried animal books. I tried fiction stories. I tried to read to him to try to see, you know, what is this kid going to like, you know, to, to enjoy reading? I couldn't find anything. And then one day, D comes back from the library with a spider book, a nonfiction spider book. The one thing that I cannot stand because he was obsessed with spiders. He loved insects and spiders and just the creepy crawlies. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. We found it. But I really didn't like it because it was, I, I'm a huge arachnophobe. I am horrified of spiders. I cannot stand looking at them. So I leveled with D. Uh, I, I took him to the side one day and I said, I love that you love reading. I love that you're into these books. I love everything you're doing with these books and I'm, you're going to do it. But whenever Mr. Vito comes by your desk or whenever, you know, I'm checking in with you on a reader's conference, you can't show me the pictures. Just promise me you'll tell me about the book, but you will not show me those pictures of those disgusting spiders. And he, <laughs> he, he enjoyed it. And it, it turned into almost like a game where D would, I would pass by his desk and he would be a little bit over dramatic or over animated as he would be sometimes in covering up the pictures. Um, but it was just that fantastic excitement that got him really into reading. And um, we had some wonderful success along the way. That's awesome. Yeah. So reading is reading's a pretty good way to do that. And I know a lot of our almost every one of our teachers here does a fantastic job of that at Warren County Middle. Um, math, however, is one of the most difficult ones. And I know as an ex-math teacher, I'm sure you've seen this as well. Absolutely. Um, and this is an area, especially in middle school and high school, where they start to lack that motivation of saying, you know, why do I need to do this? And, you know, that curriculum and the time frame gets way more crunched down and you have standards you have to address within, you know, two weeks time period. So choice isn't always as easy, but I feel that something that you can do in math is provide choice for how you're going to assess. That's one of the, I feel it's one of the best ways. I just saw one of our math teachers here recently provided a math project where, 
you know, she provided all these different ways where the students could really show their learning. Now, what you're going to want to do if you're going to provide choice for assessment is you are going to want to narrow it down. You know, maybe this week, you know, provide, you know, you can do a test independently or you can create a website to show your knowledge, you know, just narrow it down. And once again, you have to provide that guidance factor. But, you know, with assessments, use Flipgrid, use posters, use songs, whatever, but just guide it so you get the desired product from the students. And, and I will say along with math that one of the things that worked for me that it wasn't a whole bunch of the kids did this, but a fair number of the kids, like whenever I used to do math, it was a low, low group of kids that I had. So we had an inclusion class and we had a remediation group on that year. And of the 25 kids that were in remediation, I had 22 of them in my first period class. So like, just to kind of put this in perspective, like what I was working with here, but we had a lot of kids that were very behind on certain skills. They had a lot of gaps on everything. And so what I found in that group uh, specifically that just because they were very low learners and just had struggled most of their life was uh, a lot of the kids just didn't want anything to do with any other kids around them when they were learning stuff because they were just used to just being defeated and someone else like outdoing them all the time. So like what we did a lot in uh, our math classes, we did a lot of like accelerated math and IXL. And like we had one kid that like after we were done with like sort of the whole group's instruction stuff, rather than going and doing like, a worksheet or like them getting up and going around and like doing small group with kids. Like they wanted to sit there and like work on IXL and et cetera, accelerated math instead. And so like th this kid that like came into the school year knowing very little math and not having a whole lot of background knowledge out and just kind of hated school ended up being like the shining star on accelerated math and IXL. Cause we were going through and doing tables each week as far as like leaderboards and things like that. And this kid was just destroying it just cause like, he enjoyed being able to go to his own pace and making sure that like he was successful, not necessarily comparing himself to everyone else. So it doesn't always work out that way, but there are some learners out there that sometimes it's just, they need to slow down and not have someone else in the way to kind of distract them with it. I love what you're saying about that. I mean, and that's another really simple way to provide students with choice is to, you know, say, do you want to work independently or do you want to work with a group or partner? Now that's not always going to be an option, but you know, for some projects or for some, you know, we do strategies, use it, use independent work and use partner and group work and just let students choose. Do you want to work with someone today or are you feeling more independent today? Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I would like to kind of hit on too is uh, I, I wish I would have started this earlier, but I've started the last couple of years kind of getting a little more into choice boards. So I get to go through and I get to pick what the different things are. Uh, usually I leave it like an open-ended box as well. As far as like, if you come up with a better idea, if you think all mine are dumb, go ahead, present your idea to me. And as long as I check off on it, I'm okay with it. But it just kind of gives the kids another way of going through and like showing their knowledge. A lot of times we do, kids like doing the Google slides. Sometimes a lot of them do posters. It just kind of depends on whether they're like, like to draw. We have a couple kids that like got sick of doing the old slide thing. So like they started doing like infographics and stuff. Um, I had one kid that like, I was super proud of him. Like he's just been struggling all year and he's like, you know, Mr. Heater, I think the best thing that I could do right now is he's like, can I go through and make some flashcards of some of the vocab? I'm like, absolutely. So he went through and he made up his own Quizlet game. So he was going through making up all the cards and he went through and was playing them and things like that. So just kind of sometimes letting go of the reins a little bit and letting kids decide a lot of times you'll be kind of surprised with some of the good decisions they make. Love it. 
I also love how you're just using some uh, project-based learning within your classroom. I feel as though whenever I come into um, your classroom or some other science rooms, or even our, uh, our civics and our history classrooms, there, there's a lot of project-based learning and students kind of have that extra freedom within their projects to, um, you know, to pique their interests and to see how they want to be assessed or how they want to study or what, what really works for them. And kind of jumping on that too, like I know for science, like it seems a little easier than a lot of subjects. Um, like scientific investigation, we can literally do a project literally every day all year on that kind of stuff. So it is kind of easy to incorporate that kind of, that stuff in for science, but like same thing for English. Like you take the overall arching goal of what was the book about and you can kind of go through and you can do a storyboard on it. You can do uh, slides on that. You can do all the infographic on that. I've had kids go through and like make up songs and poems and things like that. Uh, last year, I actually had a couple kids like made their own podcasts up. So like don't kind of stick yourself in the little box of like I teach this subject. I can't do that. At least try it and see how the kids do it because a lot of times they kind of thrive on that open-endedness of it. Love it. So just to kind of wrap this podcast up, it, there's not always a choice. There's it, it, That's just the way it is sometimes. So what do we do when there isn't a choice? You know, every year we hit the standardized tests. We hit the SOLs. So what do you do? What are you going to do, Mr. Heater, when there is no choice and you have to just tell the kids we're taking our SOL and there's no project-based assessment, there's no inquiry-based learning here, there's no – you have to take this written on the computer test. And and I think that's kind of a big thing that you're going to have that this conversation a lot with kids nowadays because there are so many benchmarks and statewide things that you have to worry about all the time. So just kind of being open, keep an open door with the kids. So be honest with them, like explain why you're doing this, um, making sure like let them know that you're in this together and that it's not just a them thing. So like this is what we're going to do. We're going to hit X, Y, and Z so that we can get to the finished product. And just kind of talking about like the light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, I know some things are a little easier or some things are a little harder or maybe some days aren't quite as fun. Okay, but just kind of making sure that you're kind of making sure they know that you're on their team. Exactly. You know, sometimes you just have to really level with the kids and just tell them, hey, this stinks. The standardized test, not always the most fun thing, but you got to do it. And be that human. You know, you're the teacher, but also let them know you're human and just say, hey, just so you know, I had to take a couple of standardized tests in order to even be in the profession that I'm in right now. And I had to spend hundreds of dollars on those <laughs> tests. So just really let them know, hey, it, it is kind of the way things are right now. Um, that is where it, we are. And just level with them. Let them know that you're just trying your best to help provide them with the tools they need to get through, you know, some of the difficult times when there is no choice. And I, and I think kind of hitting on that too, like letting kids know that like you're not always going to succeed on all these because some of these tests and benchmarks, things like that are a little harder. So just kind of making sure like, Hit, reiterating the fact that, like you're trying your best and doing all that you can to try and make yourself successful is I think another big point. Yep. All right. So provide choice whenever you can level with kiddos when you can't. Um, and I think that wraps up our podcast today. All right. All right. Have a good one. Have a good one. See ya.